you have a Bible, go ahead and open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9, we're continuing our Romans series today. Uh, we will be in Romans again today, and then guest speaker John Fobert next week, and then back again to Romans as we finish that up throughout the summer. Uh, we're calling the sermon today, The Justice of God. Last week, we looked at the sovereign choice of God, talked about the concepts of God's choice and God's election, His choosing, um, and that raises some questions. People say, is that, is that fair? Can that be fair for God to do this? Uh, if you don't have a Bible, we encourage you to grab one of the Bibles that you'll see under the chairs, and we'll be on page 946, 947 in those black Bibles you'll see there. It's a core value of ours that we would study the Scripture every week because we don't want to be driven by our own thoughts. We don't want to be driven by our own perspective or the perspectives that, that other people have given us. We want to study the Scriptures and see what Jesus has to say to us there. Um, we're dealing with an especially hard topic in Romans 9, so it's especially important that we would look at what the Scripture has to say um, and not just come up with our own ideas here. Um, so we're going to uh, dig in today to just four verses, um, and I'm going to ask you to pray for me as we, as we look at these, because I'm going to try to give background of different ways people have interpreted this in the past, and then just kind of deal with what we see there in the text as well. So I'm afraid I might be overreaching today, so just pray. We can do this in 30 minutes. I'll just try to go real fast. If you miss something, take a picture of the slide or, or watch the recording or listen to the recording later. Um, years ago, when I was 17 years old, I was really angry at God, and it was over this justice issue. I felt like God was unfair. I felt like God was not being just in his dealings with me. I don't know if you've ever felt that way. Uh, if you've ever been frustrated, like you feel like God's given you a short uh, unfair kind of deal. Um, maybe you haven't had that issue with God. Maybe you've had that issue just with the boss or with your parents or with a friend who you don't think treated you fairly, didn't give you everything you deserved. You ever, you ever felt that way? Am I the only one that feels that way? Some of you? Um, thank you, man in the back. Yes. Sometimes we feel like we just feel like it's unfair. We didn't get what we deserve, right? Someone else got the bigger piece of the pie. Someone else got the better promotion. Someone else got the better deal. Um, and I was really struggling with that as a 17-year-old. Um, I went to a Christian camp. First time I'd ever been to some kind of Christian camp like this as a 17-year-old. And I really was struck with the reality at that camp that God actually didn't owe me anything except judgment. I started to shift my view of justice. I started to realize that it wasn't like I was this innocent person that deserved better treatment from God or the universe in general. But I was actually a sinner, and I deserved judgment. And what was God's answer to my deserving judgment? God sent grace and mercy in Jesus. And so that for me was a turning point. I forever changed my mind about what is fair and what is justice. And so my prayer for you today is that you would have that same turning point. For most of us, that happens when we come to trust in Jesus as our only hope in life. For some of us, we, we made that decision to trust in him. We came to a point of recognizing we deserve judgment, but he gave us grace. And then we kind of drift from that. And so I want to challenge you, whether, whether you have no faith at all or whether you've had faith for years, but you're starting to forget the foundation of that faith, that you deserve judgment, but God gives grace, my prayer is that, that we would be renewed as we look at the text today. So let's look at verses 14 through 18. And it says, what shall we say then? Paul keeps saying this throughout Romans, right? These complex arguments. Well, then what shall we say then? Is there injustice on God's part? By no means. 
For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So then it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, for this very purpose I have raised you up, that I might show my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. So then, he has mercy on whomever he wills, and he hardens whomever he wills. Let me pray and ask God to meet us here this morning to guide us, to help us. God, we pray that you would come and that your spirit would open our eyes and our our minds to hear you and understand your word. Um, Father, we thank you for those in the past that have studied these issues that give us some insight, but we pray that your, your spirit would just help us to see what is here, what the basics are, what the center is. We pray that you would guide us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So when we look at the text, it starts with the question, right? And so I want to start there. That first verse, verse 14, is uh, the question of justice. He says, what, what shall we say? Is, is there injustice in God? Is, is this okay? Right? Like, can God um, make sovereign choices? Is God allowed to do what God wants? Is that okay? And we really have to wrestle with that question. Does God get to control the universe? Does God get to be in charge? Does God get to do whatever he, he wants? Maybe we need to help God make better choices. And there are these questions that rise in our hearts, questions that we, we struggle with. And I don't want to belittle those questions. Those questions are very real and they're deep and they can often be painful. They can often bring us to a place of tears or depression or anguish as we pray through this. And I want to encourage you before we embark on some of these questions that all the characters of the Bible were people who wrestled with God, were people who said, God, why? People who said, God, what are you doing? People who said, God, help me to understand what's happening in the world. So my prayer for you would would be that you would be that kind of person, that you would ask tough questions, that you would seek the truth from God, that this wouldn't make you run away from God when you have questions, but that you would pursue him in prayer. And you would say, God, help, help me. God, guide me. Um, we need to look at the background from last week to, to understand why I asked the question. Most, most of you here were last week, but a lot of you weren't here last week. So uh, pick up again in verse 10. Verse 10, he's giving the example uh, from Genesis. And he says, when Rebekah had conceived children by one man, our forefather Isaac, though they were not yet born and had done nothing good or bad, the twins, in order that God's purpose of election might continue, not because of works, but because of him who calls, she was told the older will serve the younger. As it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. What shall we say then? Is there injustice in God's part? By no means. By no means. So why are people asking if there's injustice? Well, they were twins. God said, I'm going to love one and hate the other. We talked last week about how that's an idiom, and that kind of idiom, idiomatic phrase is used commonly. Jesus says we should hate our mother and brother and sisters uh, to be his disciple. And we talked about how that's an idiom that doesn't really mean uh, when God calls you to follow him that you like want to go hate and murder other people. It just means you have this absolute devotion to the one, right? And so it's really an emphasis on the love, not, not on the hate. And so I think that's important just to set up in the beginning, but you're still left with the question of, well, yeah, but there's still one he loved, right? He, he actively loved one and somehow didn't the other. Is that fair? Can that be just? I showed you last week a picture of twins, and I asked you to try to coldly analyze these twins and tell me which one's the good one and which one's the bad. Which one deserves love and which one doesn't? Uh, and I was saying that this is an illustration that he's setting up on purpose 
And then I said, stop looking at it. You can't really do that, right? You're not God, so don't do that. Um, And the point in the illustration anyway is that God didn't analyze them and say, which one's got a better chance, right? Which one's going to be more successful? It wasn't like the NFL draft. And he said, this one's got a better 40-yard dash time, right? He's got a better bench press. I I see a strong future. No. What did he do? He he picked the weak one. Remember the story? Jacob and Esau? Esau was the big hairy dude that hunted. And Jacob had said, he had no hair on his arms. He was smooth. What else do, do we know about Jacob? Well, he was deceptive. Okay? He's deceptive, not hairy, which, you know, isn't terrible. I'm not a real hairy guy, so I don't want to judge him too much for that. But... It said also, and he hung around with the women in the t- at the tents. Again, I mean, not the worst thing in the world, but compared to Esau, Esau's, Esau's the mighty warrior. And Jacob was the deceiver that hung out with the ladies. And God says, I'm going to choose the weak one. I'm going to choose the weak one to show that it's not about man's strength. Remember, we said... My purpose of election, what's my purpose of election? This choosing thing in verse 11, not because of works, but because of him who calls. And so we said, in all of this, God is trying to illustrate for us and show us that when we're saved, it's about God and not us, right? Now, and you can say, that's great, Dave, I get that point, but I don't understand the rest of it. Okay, well, welcome to the family, right? Because we don't understand all of these pieces. Nobody fully understands it. And, and I would warn you, if you fall strongly on one side or the other of the spectrum, and we are, we're a unified family where we have different views on some of these secondary doctrines. But if you're very strongly on one side of the camp or the other, it's sometimes called Calvinism and Arminianism, right? Named after Calvin, the reformer, and Arminius, a later guy that came and disagreed with some of Calvin, Calvin's teachings on predestination. So if you're an Arminian... Make sure that you're not attacking the other side and saying, they're idiots that don't know what they're talking about.